Today's guest on the podcast is Rachel Joyce. Rachel is a professional triathlete and a mom and also a recovering attorney. <laughs> she left the legal profession about 10 years ago in search of her dream to become a professional triathlete. She has placed top 10 out of six times, um, more than eight times at Kona, but she's placed top 10, six of those eight times. And she came back and won Ironman Boulder only nine months after having Archie, her son. So she's a really cool chick. We had a great time. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode with Rachel Joyce. Welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast with Meredith Atwood. We all have the same 24 hours each day, and it's what we do with those hours that makes all the difference between our health, happiness, and success. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Same 24 Hours Podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Atwood. Today's guest is Rachel Joyce. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Meredith. Happy uh, birthday, almost. Yeah, it's a big one. <laughs> is this the big four zero? Yes, it is. So I'm slightly in denial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I've got one more year. So yeah, you'll have to tell me if the world falls apart this year. <laughs> yeah, I will do. <laughs> but I feel like good things are ahead. Yes, absolutely. That's the spirit. So I'm so glad we finally connected. I, gosh, we, we go way back, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, we kind of do back, though, which is funny. Back to, back to um, meeting, like having dinner at my first Women for Try board meeting right. over in Florida. Right. It was so um, funny because I knew you, that was your first meeting and I had been, I guess I'd been on the board for, I don't know at that point, that, it's all a blur. Um, yeah. But we were sitting at dinner and chatting and I remember I went back to the hotel room and I talked to my husband. He's like, so how was dinner? Did you see Julia? Because he always knows. You know, I love Julia and we chat. And I said, yeah, so guess who I was sitting next to at dinner? And, and I told him that I sat next to you. And he's like, whoa, that's really <laughs> cool. I was like, you know what? It really is kind of cool because, you know, we had watched your because I think you had finished second in Kona maybe that the year before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Third, second or third. I can't remember. Yeah. But... So we knew. Yeah, yeah. We like knew who you were. It was very recent. I remember. <laughs> and he was very impressed. So. So yeah, we got to know each other then, and that's when I found out that you used to be an attorney and all and all of that. So it was really cool. I felt like we had a little, a little bond yes. there with that. Yeah. So let's talk and, a little bit about that and how you you know came to professional triathlete dumb after being an attorney. Yeah. Now when I think back, I I sometimes just can't really believe how much my life has changed since I was an attorney. But I had I'd grown up being a swimmer, and when I started working. Um, in in London as an attorney, I, I swam as a master's, but I was kind of getting bored of it. So I just jumped, you know, I, I kind of got roped into it by some swimming buddies and they like said, you should really get a bike. And they kind of took me under their wing and like I rode my bike and I was like, I, I just really loved that endurance aspect of things and the fact like I could leave the confines of a swimming pool for training. And um I started as an age grouper and um, started doing pretty well quite quickly. And I think it was a combination of I've always had, even as a child, I always had this like dream of being a professional athlete. And I then it was I wanted to go to the Olympics as a swimmer. But 
um, I I knew I didn't really cut the mustard with that. Um, and I think it was a combination of like reawakening that dream and also thinking I don't want to be a lawyer for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> what is with that? I don't know why we all come to that realization at some point. <laughs> I know, but it's, it's, I don't know about you, but it's very hard to think when you're actually working for a law firm, it's very hard to think that it's possible to shift career because you're so immersed in, you know, you're surrounded by lawyers, you're working really hard and there's, it's kind of hard to then take step aside and kind of think, Oh, well, maybe I could do something else. But you know what I Um, think it was for, for me, it was, you know, you put so much time, money, energy into becoming a lawyer. You work really hard to, join this noble profession, which I always knock it, but it is a noble profession. And you feel like, gosh, well, if I leave that, you know, I've quote unquote wasted this time and who am I going to disappoint? And it it is hard. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of external. I, I, I definitely, when I had decided that I kind of wanted to race in the professional field, not because I thought, I mean, I, without, it sounds like, uh, very immodest to say but I, I didn't think I would get to where I did but I just wanted to pitch myself against the very best mm-hmm. and to see how I measured up um, and but I was what kind of made me hesitate for prob- you know probably six months to actually um, pull the trigger and resign was I was so worried about what other people would think because I was in this really stable good profession with good prospects and I was going to kind of say thank you, but no thank you, and do something where I would earn no money for quite a few years and right. uh, move out of the flat that I had literally just bought two months before. <laughs> so I, I think it it was what caused me to delay the decision was that kind of looking for external validation. Yeah. But ultimately, I was, I talk about approaching a big birthday now, I was approaching my 30th birthday, and I thought, well, if you don't make the decision now, then you're going to be too old uh, to try and become professional. So that was, it was a fear of not even giving it a go that spurred me into action and um, Mm -hmm. made me like take the plunge. And I think there's a certain level of, of privileged guilt that comes with it because so many people, you know, don't have the opportunity to go to law school or to be in a profession that, that pays well. And, you know, is and so you feel guilty just throwing that away because so many people on the outside looking in, you think, oh, gosh, they would love to do this. And you just feel like a brat. <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely. Yeah. Like, um, but then, you I, know, if you hadn't made that decision 10 years ago, I mean, I know you have no regrets now, right? Or do you? No, absolutely no regrets. Um, and But I am, I'm, I'm actually... Like I, you know, people ask, do you wish you'd kind of tried to turn professional earlier? But I'm actually really happy with the path that I took because I had a lot of fun. Despite working hard, I had a lot of fun being a 20-something working in London. And, you you know, I made some great friends. And I feel like I got that bit kind of out my system. And feel like then I threw myself 100% into triathlon. And, you know, I met Brett through triathlon I got to move to Boulder through triathlon so had I not made that move you know I'm so happy with where I'm at at the moment uh it wouldn't I wouldn't be here had I 
not made yeah you know made that decision in the first place so is 30 sort of late to the game for female professionals yeah i i think so um i mean what one thing i love about long distance triathlon in particular whether so many there are there is a mixture of like backgrounds of how people come to the sport so it's not like I'm completely I'm the only one that started at 30 I think you know there are quite a few people athletes out there who I race with who came to the sport a bit later on um but it just I think 30 it felt like I definitely felt I had a steep learning curve in the first (laughs) few years so um and I felt completely out of my depth and um, almost like I didn't really belong in the professional ranks because so many of the people who I'd read about and, you know, I admired so much had been in the sport for such a long time. You know, Julie Dibbons, Leander Cave, um, they had been in the sport for a really long time. So I was really conscious that I felt like a bit of an outsider um, coming into it. Um, And I definitely got very close to kind of like self-sabotaging and talking myself out of races, thinking, well, you know, they've been doing this for 10, 15 years. I'm just pitching up. I, luckily, I always managed to kind of snap myself out of it and just say, all you have to do is, you know, swim, bike and run as best as you can. Like really fast, though. <laughs> <laughs> Not Meredith speed, like much, much faster. Because <laughs> that's what I tell myself, too. But not really yeah, the same thing <laughs> but it is kind of I mean that's I kind of that's how I calm myself down on a yeah. start line is just thinking you know you're completely in control of a, the thing that you're nervous about is a thing that you're most in control of and like I like trying my best so that's all I have to do in this race so um like some things are out of your control but I kind of think so long as I'm prepared for those, there's no point in really being nervous about what could might not happen. Yeah. So I know many people listening might not understand the pro card process. So can you give us like the quick how, you know, you wake up one morning, you decide you want to be a professional triathlete, which I will not do (laughs) tomorrow. That will never be me. But if I did, what is the process and what are kind of the obstacles to for someone who wants to become professional? Um, I feel, I feel like in the USA, they, there's a better, well, it's a more formalized standard that you have to reach in order to become professional. Um, like I'm not exactly sure what it is, but it's like finishing within a certain percentage of the winner or, um, winning your age group or, or something mm-hmm. like that. Whereas in the UK, I literally, like I wrote a letter to the British Triathlon Federation and said, these are my results so far. Um, I'd like to race professional. Do you think I meet? <laughs> Check yes like or standard? no. Can we be? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily they said yes. So, Got it. Um, so it's, cool. I, I, I'm not sure if they've changed that now, but that's uh-huh. how it worked at the time. So what was your first what was the road to your first win like because you you took some wins pretty quickly so what talk us through some of your successes on like on the road to I mean you won the world championships the 70.3 world championships in 2006 
So yeah, that was pretty a, early. As an age grouper. As oh, an as an age grouper. grouper. So this was before. Yeah. This okay. was before I had turned professional. Okay. Um, so actually I was t- a terrible professional for <laughs> 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 oh, <laughs> Which is fun. why I say I had a very steep learning curve. So I, even while I was working, I, I, I tried to race professionally, but I had some real bloopers. Um, I got called up to represent Great Britain at the European Long Distance Tried Championships. And I turned up and again, I was just completely, um, I just felt completely out of my depth. And um, But I thought, you know, I tried to calm myself down on the day of the race morning. And I thought, okay, just nail the swim. Um, and I kind of went out and I was like, oh, I've got clear water. I think I'm leading this swim. And then this kayaker just started kind of knocking me on the head with his paddle. And I was like, really? <laughs> Can you give me a bit more space? And so I carried on swimming and then he did it again. And I looked up and I was going completely the wrong way on the swim course. Oh, no. So my first time where I really felt I needed to prove myself, I came dead last in that race. Um <laughs> And and there were a few others. Like I I didn't I don't think I came dead last. Um, but it was always these experiences where, I, like, it definitely hurt my pride because, again, I really felt this need to validate my decision as quickly as possible. And so every time I had one of these races, I'd be thinking, I know what everyone's thinking. They're just right. thinking, what? Why did she make this decision? Um, and I. In 2008, I was, I was like, okay. I, I called up my law firm and said, could I do some, um, could I come and do some contract contract work for you in November? And I decided that my only aim that summer was to finish an Ironman. And I kind of switched my thinking a bit. And rather than thinking, I, in order to validate this decision, I have to come in this place. I just thought well, this might be your last professional race, so let's really enjoy the process <laughs> of getting ready for it. <laughs> and and this uh, was your first iron distance? This was my first iron distance. Because okay. that had been, it became like, well, if this is my last race, all I wanted to, you know, it had been like something I'd wanted to do for like several years was to do an Ironman. So I was like, well, you might as well go out doing this Ironman race and then <laughs> you can go back to work. So I, I just took a bit of pressure off myself that I needed to prove myself and I just kind of got stuck into the process uh again this was like a major lesson to me in future years and so I just prepared for it without thinking of what the outcome would be and in that race I came fifth which was enough that it just gave me enough hope that I wasn't kind of barking up the wrong tree right so I, I came fifth and then I went and did two months work back at the law firm and saved as much as I could and then just went on this mission in 2009 to try and qualify for Kona. And was that the first year you did? Yes, yeah. So I went to, that year I went to, I'm in South Africa and I came third, but there was only one spot. So it wasn't a smart race decision choice for me but then I went and did Lanzarote six weeks later and there I came second and that was enough to get me um that was when it was a roll down similar to the age group method mm-hmm. system qualification so I, I came second got a got a Hakona slot and then just spent the whole whole summer trying to get ready for Kona 
And so you've got six top 10 Kona finishes. How many times have you actually raced Kona? Six times? Eight times. Okay. So I came 11th one year when I had, I had like a bronchitis and in retrospect, I wondered what on earth I was doing racing, but you know, you put so much effort in and like, so not just me, but my whole team, I just wanted to give it a try. And then last year I had a bit of a blooper and came 20th. (laughs) (laughs) Well, could the blooper be like life and motherhood and (laughs) I definitely think, I think, I think last year was, I was just tired. (laughs) (laughs) But on this, like I had, I kind of said to myself, you're not even going to try and get to Kona you know, this year after having Archie, but then it just became this like mission to try and get there. And so I did three, I'm, I did an Ironman in June, an Ironman in July, an Ironman in August, and then, then Kona. And I think that yeah, was you think you might Archie. be tired. <laughs> I think I was a little tired. <laughs> so your first Ironman back after having, so Archie's what, is he two? He'll be two in September. And I love his name, Archie. It's precious. <laughs> um, but your first Ironman back was Boulder, right? In 2017? Yes. And you yeah. won. Yes. And how yeah. old was Archie then? Uh, he was nine months old. Okay. So let's everyone listening take a moment <laughs> to think about, especially the mothers out there, when you had a nine-month-old baby, what were you doing? Like, I was still feeding my face cheesecake. And <laughs> Rachel here was winning Ironman Boulder. But how hard was that? Was it... Or were you in this total sleep-deprived mom zone that you were just on autopilot and went out in one boulder and didn't even know what happened? <laughs> a little bit of that. Yeah. I definitely was really, really tired. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, but it was an adventure. Like, I hadn't planned to do an Ironman the first year after having Archie. Uh, but then they announced that there was a pro field in Boulder. And I just thought, you know, I kind of want to do that. And so I had a fairly short preparation for it, but um, it was just so much fun, like seeing him out on the course and knowing that he would be at the finish line with Brett. And um, it was at altitude, which I think really benefited me because I could be steady all day. I wasn't particularly speedy, but I could keep going. And um, yeah, it was just really I would say it was one of the highlights of my career you know it wasn't the biggest race or my fastest race or anything like that but just it was just it was like a team effort and I kind of felt like proud of us as a little unit that would kind of made it work um and uh I will say that the recovery from that was like Archie went into like a two-week no sleep um (laughs) and I think you don't really recover from an Ironman when you, you when you're not can't sleeping. sleep. <laughs> so, so how has life changed being a professional triathlete mom? I know it's totally different. So let's yeah. break it down. What has changed? How do you train? What do you do when he's sick? Like, what's your schedule like? Um, for me, it was, I was ready for something. I kind of wanted a different, it's, a different challenge in 2015 I kind of it's a very like I love the the professional triathlete lifestyle but it's very 
singularly focused and I was ready to like expand the the you know the viewpoint and definitely having a child was the best thing ever you know like suddenly everything goes into perspective and I almost wish I could have there were so many lessons I learned from being a mother like I when I would turn up to training I would rather than beating myself up if I wasn't making times if I knew that I had like only slept a total of two hours in a row the night before I just would have this attitude of like well just do what you can today don't even care about the times you're here and mm-hmm. I just do what you can and then there was zero analyzing a workout because you know I finished and then I would be straight back being a mum right so I think that's really healthy because I mean I think there's a tendency to overanalyze if a session doesn't go right but I just was much kind of kinder to myself and be like well I did what I could now let's get back to this and tomorrow you'll do I'll do what I can um I was much better at being flexible about my training so if I knew I was tired and I had a big session I would just jiggle you know like work I was getting coached by Matt Bottrell and Julie Dibbins but they knew that I needed to rejig things at times and it was really good taking that ownership over my program and it meant that I could do the key sessions because I would be flexible about when I would do them Mm -hmm. um so I think and I think that's all things that I probably should have done be doing been doing um sooner in my triathlon career yeah I think that's such a great lesson, especially with new parents. You know, so many times we lose ourselves after having kids and don't even know which way is up or down, especially from an exercise and health standpoint. And so many times I talk to like new moms who say, I don't know how in the world I could do a triathlon or I could do anything right now. And what you just said, you know, just doing what you can on two hours of sleep, even if, if that's just a walk around the block. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's that mental break and that movement of the body that, that matters. And obviously in the professional realm, it's a little bit different. But I think it, it's kind of a common theme with, with moms. You know, we got to leave the house or at least leave the room where the children are and go move. Yeah. And I really, it's really, I was talking to um, a woman the other day and she was saying so much we attach, we put so much guilt on ourselves when we do carve that time out, which is kind of really counterproductive because I do believe if it's really important to have that time, whatever it is you do in that time, just to like center yourself and then you go back to, to being a mum and, you know, I wish I wish we could all like collectively not feel that guilt, but I'm just not sure that's possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think the more everyone talks about it and, you know, you and Meredith Kessler and, and Miranda Carfrey all toting your babies around finish lines. I mean, I think it's such a great message because obviously the race is showing you had a great day, but the work that goes into that, anyone in the sport knows what a great sacrifice it is. And I, I think it's good to see all of you with the babes, you know, because it's, it's showing you're figuring out how to balance and, and do all that, even though I think balance is a terrible word and it is probably yeah. worse for the guilt. But yeah, I mean, I think the more we, we talk about it and the yeah. better it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah. absolutely. And I know that when, I I took so I was kind of 
like any, you know, you, friends who've had children and have got back into doing things, everyone was like, this is possible. And um, I just took one day at a time and tried to look forward. And I really liked the the vest that you sent me keep moving forward because it would just be like some days that was that was all I would do you know <laughs> but it was it was still moving forward and yeah. which is which is the main thing <laughs> right right so do you find that having Archie allows you to find joy in things you maybe didn't find joy in before yes like everything, I think. <laughs> like quiet, a bath. <laughs> Come yes. <on>. Yeah. <laughs> the little things. Um, going to the toilet without company. Right. <laughs> little fingers. Oh my gosh, my son used to put his fingers under the door, you know, and go to the bathroom, shut the door, and then there would be his little fingers coming under. And I'm like, I can't even pee. I know. Exactly. You know, <laughs> like I can't even go there. But yeah, they're everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Like, now I really just even you know I appreciate like 10 minutes to read a book or that kind of thing that you know I completely took for granted um and I love just hanging out with him and like it reminds you to like notice the little things um you know like he will crouch down and start looking at a bug you're like oh yeah that's pretty amazing if you don't we know what a bug is. Right. Um, so, yeah. yeah. We were watching the the Titanic movie last night. I walked walked in and Stella had it on. I thought, oh, gosh, this movie's so long. But luckily, <laughs> it was like three quarters of the way through. But it was fun just, I mean, not that the, the Titanic is just, you know, dismal. But um, watching that movie with them for the first time, them seeing it, just being like, oh, my gosh. And, you know, yeah. the boat yeah. and never let go Jack and I mean it was just it's fun because they having children will make you relax if you let it yeah you just stop doing what you're doing and sit down and watch the Titanic movie for 45 minutes I mean it's really cool but if you are too busy worrying about all the things you have to get done and how much time is lost like you'll just you'll miss it and that's what I've learned yeah yeah that has been like a really and it didn't necessarily come because I think come naturally, but just being like putting, like you say, putting the to-do lists and thinking this aside and just, you know, the time I have when we're around just being there and being like, I'll get that done later. But what's the point in like half being here and half worrying about the emails I've got to reply to. And, and so I've, it kind of makes you be a bit more present. Well, it's yeah. made me being a bit more present with things. Yeah. So let's talk about your training and kind of the goals and, and what you've got coming up. And then I want to ask you about your favorite kinds of workouts. So let's, let's talk about this season. What are you up to this season? So uh, it's been a quieter season for me. Um, I definitely felt it just took me a little while to kind of, recover from last year and I kind of wanted to take my foot off the pedal a bit at the beginning of the year so I won't be I'm I'm looking at doing Boulder 70.3 in August as a local race to kind of jump back into the season and then just racing 70.3s until next year when I will um, dive back into the Ironman 
thing. <laughs> <laughs> thing. So, and I've been, um, with the, the, the extra time I've had with that, I've been kind of putting a bit more energy into the, the, you know, I, as I said, I'm turning 40. So as much as I'd love to do this forever, I kind of need to think about what I'm going to be doing next. And, um, so I've been putting a bit of time into, um, putting on some workshops here in Boulder, um, partnering with a woman called Dana Platon, who's a leadership coach, as well as she's worked with the Peace Corps for 20 years. And we kind of, it's a slightly different type of workshop and training camp that we're looking to do that combines, um, you know, training, triathlon training, but also the mental aspects, which can be applied to both triathlon and to, you know, career, life, nice, that kind of thing. Nice. So. Yeah. Um, that's been really fun and I've like learned a ton from from Dana Um, yeah what kind of experience level would you have to be to attend one of those camps like as far as your fitness level oh it's for all levels okay yeah it's all levels we accommodate everything and that's one thing that I've really found even with the workshops is that people have like email saying I just don't think I'm going to be good enough for this but we've designed it that we can accommodate every level uh we don't want it to be that's why we want it to be a bit different it's not like an elite training camp for just i could come (laughs) yes absolutely i'll bring my people uh, i'll slow you all down no no um yeah so it's it's kind of inclusive cool so Um, how do where do you find out about that is it on your website or yes it is on um it's racheljoyce.org brave okay. and then forward slash braver bolder stronger well that sounds like a lot of fun and then yeah. so as far as i know uh, professional triathletes don't say where they're racing so i won't ask you that question <laughs> it's like the big secret but like what is your favorite workout as far as when you see something on the training plan you go heck yes i love this workout what what is your favorite workout swim bike or run I wouldn't use this as an example, but I always love my long run and my long ride just because I'm a diesel engine and I just like <laughs> going along. And here especially, there are just some beautiful trails and the riding, you can get up on the peak to peak and it's just beautiful. As a specific training session, like especially one thing I had to be last year was super efficient with my training because I didn't want I didn't want to spend my whole Saturday out training you know I wanted to get it done and then have the afternoon um with the family Mm -hmm. so um I got very good at these kind of sessions but one of my favorites is this trainer ride session and I kind of it's you know you look at it and you're a bit like oh this is gonna hurt so bad (laughs) but kind of like the challenge of it and it's um you do four times four minutes three times three minutes two times two minutes and one minute and it's like, I would say it's probably at your like, between your one hour and 45 minute, like best power. So it's super painful. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> um, terrible. <laughs> but it's kind of the nice thing about it is that you do the longer intervals at the beginning. So mentally, you can be like, okay, well, I've done the four minutes. It's gonna oh, get yeah, that is nice. Minutes. That is nice. Um, so, Yeah. It's a real, it's a real tester. Um, oh my gosh. That's so. fun. So what are some of the tips that you use to kind of fit it all in? I know you have a coach, but you mentioned that it's really important to be efficient. So what, what are 
some of the hacks, I guess, that you've kind of come across the past couple of years? First off, like really good communication with Brett about what my training schedule is for the week. So because I relied on his support so much. So he knew that this was how long I needed on Saturday. This is when I would be running on Sunday because he's an athlete. You know, he likes to train too. So we could just plan around when he could get his time to. Right. Um, I would do a lot of back-to-back sessions, you know, with very short breaks in between. Um, so that like, if I, if I needed to get a babysitter for three hours, I could do a swim and then immediately do a treadmill run and some strength. I was really maximizing that time. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas there was no, pro- like the progress procrastination that I used to have went out the window, you know, like in the morning I would just, if Archie was, na- or if Archie's napping, I just am like, boom, 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 get on that trainer, <laughs> do it, and then get off, showered and ready for when he wakes up. So just and things that help, like would be planning, okay, I need to take this food with me for the, these sessions so that I wasn't, you know, like burning myself out as well. So right. that was the main thing, like just thinking about how I could combine sessions and still do them both well, but get bank at least two sessions in one sitting kind of thing. Well, I know you've got to go. So one more question for you. Um, This podcast is called the same 24 hours. And it means we've all got the same 24 hours in our day. But it's what we do with those 24 hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness and success. So what is something that you Rachel Joyce do on a daily basis that you think makes your life better? There are two things I do. Can I say two? (laughs) One thing I yes, do you can I, say too. You're allowed. It's your birthday. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I like to get up before Archie wakes up. So I a good I just really like to have a cup of tea and a little bit of time to myself in the morning. So that's like a habit that I if it mean I don't mind that it means I have to get up a bit earlier, but I just really like to have that cup of tea mm-hmm. <laughs> just on my own and like think about the day. And another thing is like it's it's a bit cheesy but like I I kind of try and keep a journal so that but the night before I try to write down just three things that I want to get done or do the following day and it just keeps me a bit more focused on yeah. stuff and it it's not all like chores it could be I want to go and do this thing with Archie or I really want to carve out this time to go and do this ride um, but it just helps me like clarify my thoughts and especially when I, and I, um, obviously I don't do it every day cause, um, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that organized, but it, I find it is a really helpful tool to like make me feel like I'm a little bit more on top of things. Cause you know, sometimes you can feel a bit swamped right. by life and it's like, if you just write it down, it's automatically a bit more manageable. It's so true. It's so true. Just setting those intentions for your day. <laughs> when you just feel like you're a tornado all over the place, just thinking, okay, if I can do these one, two, three things, I won't be a total mess. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I get it. Well, thank you, Rachel. This was so fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I hope I get to see you sometime soon. Yeah. One of your retreats. Yes. Yeah. We'd love to have you. (laughs) All right. Well, take care. And we look forward to seeing what's in store this coming season. Great. Thanks, Meredith.